Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Uh, Financing Solutions provides very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about a business line of credit, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good. In 2009, visionary Mandy Pierce founded her flagship company, Funding for Good, to equip organizations with all the skills and tools needed to become successful and sustainable. She continues to enjoy evolving this company to meet the changing demands of the nonprofit world and business world. For over two decades, Mandy and her team of experts work with U.S.-based nonprofits as well as nonprofit consultants looking to establish and grow the consulting companies, their consulting companies. Mandy loves supporting other entrepreneurs so that they can realize their dreams more quickly. Mandy and her team offer services to build the capacity and sustainability of nonprofits and businesses alike. Mandy, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's let's just clarify that intro. Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Yep. So got started as a nonprofit consultant a long time ago, a couple decades. And um, as I started growing my business back in the day, there were the resources that exist today were harder to find. And so uh, when I was able about, I don't know, eight years ago, I started sharing some of the things I learned the hard way and helping other entrepreneurs grow their businesses, whether they were for-profit um, businesses or for-profit businesses that worked with nonprofits. I mean, heck, my husband's company is a for-profit that has nothing to do with nonprofits. Um, he has two companies that I helped grow and, you know, there's a lot of principles that go into growing any business, regardless of who you serve. And I, I really enjoy working with and helping people establish and grow their companies. So you're working with much, much bigger companies. Um, but I love working with people at all stages of their growth and helping them learn the things I had to learn the hard way without a lot of support. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, today's um, topic, which, you know, is, is a really good one. If, if you are, um, a consultant, uh, or if you're someone who, who who bills on an hourly basis, and then we're going to get more into it. Today's topic is contract considerations for consultants and for hourly to project based pricing. So, um, what have you found with your experience with uh, consultants who bill hourly or project based? I've found that a majority of consultants start out billing hourly because they don't know that they can build on a project base and they don't think people will pay that. A lot of people initially step into consulting and a lot of them struggle with imposter syndrome. Like, Oh, people are really going to pay me for this thing. And they're unsure. And so they get what they can get, like just putting it out there bluntly. People are like, okay, I'm going to try to build this and hopefully they'll pay it. And a lot of people underprice themselves. A lot of people are doing more work because they're billing hourly as opposed to creating 
I mean, you have to know an hourly base to start with if you're going to create project-based pricing, which a lot of people don't understand, but that doesn't mean you're sharing that dollar amount with the client, right? Like this is what the services are going to be that you're going to get. And this is the total cost. There's a, I've got a landscaper doing some work for me right now. And he didn't tell me like, this is how much every breakdown of every bush I'm going to plant is and the mulch we're going to buy and the number of people I'm paying for their labor and blah, blah, blah. He said, this is what the end product's going to look like. This is how much it's going to cost. And I either had to say yes or no, right? So what I tell people is you have to determine what your hourly rate is going to be. And that can change over time. But then it becomes very easy to create package pricing. It's going to take me this many hours to do this thing. It's going to take me this many hours to travel to clients that want to meet in person. It's going to take me this many hours for a VIP day or whatever. And then you can combine all those things and say, oh, okay, this work's going to take six months. This is what we're going to accomplish. This is how much it's going to cost. And I find that it takes a lot of people a very long time to get comfortable if, with that process. And so in the first couple of years, they really don't make what they could be making and they don't get to that place they want to get to as quickly. I did that. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have some things to add. Um, a couple of things is, you know, small businesses often charge too little. They uh, they don't understand. They think that they're in a fight against bigger competitors, so they want to compete on price. When what they don't understand is they need to compete on quality and and and, and service. And and that doesn't mean that you should be cheaper. In fact, right. just the opposite. Okay, so you know that's number one. Number two is um, they because you're giving fixed price there's a lot of project creep. Uh, let's, let's just use your landscaping one, for example, right? Uh, the homeowner, the homeowner comes up to you and says, could you do me a favor and take that tree out over there? <laughs> totally you know? did that. Like, yeah. Sure, we'll right. Oh, no problem. You know, oh, can you do this over here? Oh, can you do this over here? Right. You know, and, uh, and, and they do it. And I see it like this uh, with this girl I'm dating right now is an interior designer, you know, she comes up with these the fixed prices. She gives it to her customer, and then she does all these other things on the side. You know, uh, research on the internet for something, or they, they come up with a different design. I, you know, and I try to help educate her because you know, uh, and um, and she gets it. But um, and I'm like, and that's you know, where contract considerations come in. You know, like if you have a contract that says up to X number of revisions or edits or changes are acceptable, great. But if you don't have that in your contract, people can change stuff constantly. If you don't say up to two hours of consulting a month, then people are gonna call and bug the crap out of you all the time or send you emails and expect you to reply because you don't have any parameters or borders. And then all you have to do is say additional services can be added with a revised contract. And yeah, I also, right. There's the contract and it's also the reality of you saying that to the client too. Okay. Right. Yeah, feel don't have that like, can't say no. No. Right. I mean, so, you know, and I think the, from what I experience is, is if you do have somebody who's a little bit more experienced um, and they are a good business person, they will say to a client, I can do it certainly, but it's going to be a hundred fifty dollars extra. You know, whatever. So yep. it's going to be an hour. It's going to be one hundred fifty dollars. Do you want me to do it, right? Um, and you know, you just you, you got to realize this is. I know you want to please your client. I get it, but you know, you know, it was so it's funny. I was I was doing this with with my girlfriend Cynthia, and I go, you know, 
I started just make this short. I, I started to help her understand how many hours she actually put into this one job. Right. And mm-hmm. she charges $150 an hour, which is cheap compared to, and she's been doing this for 25 years. Okay. It's cheap for what she does. And anyway, when we, when I, when we took this one job and we added up how much time she actually put into it, she was getting paid $50 an hour. Uh-huh. Right. And that's what you have to do to understand it. That's exactly the process that we do with clients all the time. We have a boot camp for nonprofit consultants that want to start a business or grow a business. And I had to, I have to do this with my lead consultant, Marie. Um, you know, we've been working together this year for 20 years and she's very much more like a giving person and she wants to help people and just, you know, Oh, but they need it. I should do it. And I'm like, mm. and so I, I've always said to her, okay, you can do that, but you're not getting paid for it. Like you, you have a project-based pricing. We told them this is what it, it covers because we said, this is how long it takes you to do it. And now you've done this, you've sent an email, you've had a one hour call, you've met with a team, you've done all this other stuff. Now you're, you're not making what you want to make an hour, but that's your call. You can choose to do that. And until you point that out to people, they don't realize it. I talked to no. a girl that was paying her consultants or contractors more than she was making because she never took into account her own time in managing them and the client and her overhead. And, and so she's fixing that now, but she was like, I don't know why I should have a business because I'm not making any money. I'm like, oh, it's because you're not charging enough for your time. You're not thinking about how long it's taking you to do it. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think it's an awareness factor too. I mean, like when I was talking to Cynthia uh, about it, she, um, once she saw that she was making $50 an hour, she she then said, "I'm going to increase my prices from 150 to 175." So you know that's a it's a separate issue, but at least I got her to move a little bit in that direction. Now listen, and this is you know a little more serious. You know, just a you know uh, she you know she lost her husband three years ago, um, and so you know it's you know she has to make this money now. You know, and and so you know it's becoming a little now now she's turning this quote unquote hobby of a business and she does well, but you know, now she's starting to see, Oh, you know, cause she, she wants to do some work in her house and now she's starting to see how expensive it is. And she's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you know, it's, I, I don't have two incomes anymore. I only have one. So and is that $50 before or after expenses and before or after taxes, because a lot of people don't think about you're not an employee anymore. You're a business owner. So when you make $100 an hour, you're taking 30% off the top to cover taxes and workman's comp and all that crap for yourself down to $70. And then you have expenses on top of that. You know, how much did you spend on the gas or the systems or the whatever for this client? You're not making $100 an hour. And until people really sit down and think about that, like, oh, you have to pay quarterly taxes? You didn't think about that. Oh, you, you know, whatever. And, and and as you think about that, it's easier to justify. Oh, I'm I'm really not making that much. Yeah, I um, you know, she she I agree. You know, her in this situation, her um, her hourly is just one part of her income because she gets kickbacks from um, if she sends uh, the client toward a, a rug store that she really sure. likes, right? And uh, yeah, I agree. I mean. Listen, I got to be careful here because she is, I think educating her is good, but you know, she is, I think she looks at this as more as an artist and as a hobby 
than as a real business. And so, you know, just making her aware of things. Um, Like I've been talking to her about like this one main client, not client, supplier of hers doesn't give her any um, kickback. You know, that's not the right word. I don't like that word, but any partnership. Yeah. I mean, and everybody else does. So everybody goes back 10 to 20% if, if a client goes, if one of her clients goes to them. So, you know, having that conversation about, you know, you got to go back to them and talk to them and say, Hey, you know, I, you know, everybody else is doing this and you're not, you know? So, um, so there's, there's different ways of skinning the cat. Now, listen, just because we're making someone aware of the situation, in other words, she's banking aware. It doesn't mean that she ha- she can still say, no, I don't want to do that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, you know, she can, but at least be aware. Okay. Sure. This is what my true costs are. I like what you're saying about the gas, the wear and tear in your car. You know, most people don't like, everybody thinks that gas is the, is like the thing about you that you look at with your car, but you, what you don't realize is the real, the wear and tear. And I'm not talking about tires. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. talking about yeah depreciation of the car. You get a yep. 50, 60, $70,000 car. It's in, you know, three to five years, it's done. And you don't appreciate that back in the, as well. Anyway. Right. So well, I mean, there's um, a lot of things people don't think about. I have clients uh, who, who may pay for, well, we'll just take you for example. Uh, I'm assuming you have some software that you record your podcast with. I'm assuming assuming you have some editing technology that you have to pay for in order to be able to make your podcast. And I'm sure you have to host your podcast somewhere. And there's a lot of things. It's not just you and me sitting here recording this, right? Well, the time that you're spending right now with me, we're going to say a round trip an hour for you and me right now, you're not making quote unquote money in this particular hour of your day. So you either have to have passive income somewhere else, or you have to say, okay, this has got to turn into revenue somewhere else. Well, when people are sitting in a car driving to a client an hour and back, there's two hours that unless you're having meetings or doing something else, you can't make any money, which is why some business people charge for travel days. Cause they're like, you know, unless they're super motivated and they're working on the plane and they're working in the airport and they doing all of that, which we do, Unless they're doing it, they're not making any money. Those are days that are literally lost just because you're traveling to a client. A lot of people don't think about that. They just assume, oh, when I get there, I'm going to make money doing this and this, and then I'll go home. And I'm like, well, that could be a round trip of, you know, a week, a wasted time, yeah. depending yeah. on where you're going. And um, and so that's a, that's a big conversation when you start consulting that people have to determine, are you going to bill for travel days? And at what rate? Um, so there's a lot of little nuances to learning how to build and how to create a project price that really is worth the amount of time and resources that your company is putting into a client. Yeah. I don't think it's, you know, we, we might, if you have a listener right now, they might be saying, Oh, it's so complicated. Right. You know, it's so, but you know, I don't think it really, really is, you know, there's an old saying in business and I know is always be measuring, right. If you can't measure something, you can't manage it. So you, you really have to take some of the key things and like you brought that one up about, you know, travel time, you know, you might, you know, suppose you might, so let's just give an example, uh, even like in this case with Cynthia, she, she had this one person she's putting a, a, a quote in for, and they're an hour and a half from her house, right? Now her normal clients are within 30 minutes of her house, Right. And, you know, what she said was, I'm going to price it a little higher because I'm, tr- I might, I really don't want the job, 
But if they go for it, then I'll, I'll take it. Right. But there's no formula, you know, for her to say this extra hour that I'm traveling, how many times a week will it be? How many times do I have to be there? You know what? I, I like what you're saying. And I think, you know, I think as a consultant, you need to add up all these things. Like she does a lot of research. And then this is the other thing that's kind of interesting. She's been doing this for a long time. She's really good at her job. I, I, you know, uh, I, I really love her work. But she's been doing a really long time. And, I, and so she's got two things. She's got one, she's got the list of contractors that are, that she's vented, that she's been working with for ages. That will show and, up. That, that will show up and do the yeah. job. And if they don't, she would hear from it. And so they're really good. And yeah. it's, it's taken here decades to get that people. No, yep. And then the second one is a little more important. And that is um, she, she has all her, her, her um, she's done all the research of knowing where to go for light fixtures and knowing, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, she's got that down to a science now, but that's taken decades for her to learn it all. So where was the return on the investment then? Yep. So, you know, I, I I really feel like, you know, she says, you know, some people charge $300 an hour, you know? And the one thing I said to her is I think you really need to go, back at it and really talk to some designers, go to a conference and find out what people are charging and how they're charging. Yeah. Because I Just get it. You can price- research locally and talk to people. And I mean, honestly, yeah. what I find is in, in any industry that I've ever worked in, a lot of people are very open to just tell you, this is what I charge. This is how I figure out my pricing. This is how I calculate this or that for this type of service or that type of thing. Right. Some people won't, but I do find that very often people are open to, if I pick up the phone and call like, Hey, my name's Mandy. I live in North Carolina. You know, we're offering this type of service here, but I'm just curious what, what are things going for in your area? What is your business charging? You know, can you give me some, some estimates or whatever? More often than not, people are like, yes, you know, this is blah, 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 what we charge or what other people we're working with charge. And this is the low end, high end of the spectrum. Um, a lot of times the skill set she has are the things people are paying for. Like, I don't want to pay for you to have to learn the process. Like, I just want to pay you because you know the answers. Please just tell me the answers, which is why we do our boot camp, right? People want to come to us because I can connect them to the people that I know who do web design and accounting and bookkeeping and virtual assistant management and online business management and all these different things. Cause I've been doing it for 25 years and there, there, there's a premium for that. Like, I'm not just going to give my connections to every person in the world. That's why bootcamp has a price tag associated with it. Much like you, I'm sure, you know, if you're consulting, people are paying you for your knowledge. They're not paying you to like brainstorm with them. Like, Hey, let's come up with an answer. They want to know what the answer is. And so, yeah, she, she sounds like she could be charging considerably more and I'm not even in the world of interior design. Yeah. Well, listen, I think it's always good to be, Aware and educated. Well, you said that word already, but uh, educated. You can still charge what you charge if you say, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But at least be aware of what the industry is doing, what your competitors are doing. Um, you know, and, and like, and I look at look at that this way. Listen, for let's specifically for someone who's billing on an hourly basis or a project basis. Would you rather have five clients? that pay double the amount 
or 10 clients who pay half the amount. You would all rather have five clients that pay double. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's the way you need to look at, you need to look at it and say, like, I know she looks at it. She says she only wants eight clients. That's all she can handle. That's good to know your capacity for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She says that after eight, it's too much. And so, so, you know, I'm like, and then I'm like, well, do you, and I'm like, well, how do you get another client? She goes, they just kind of show up. Like they get referrals all the time. I say, are you turning clients away? Well, yeah, sometimes I'll price it so high because um, I have too many clients. I'm like, well, then you got to raise your prices. Exactly. Yes. I have a girl I worked with in Massachusetts last year in boot camp. And she was, she'd been in business for seven years and she was ready to go from hourly to project-based billing, but she was petrified because she'd never done project-based billing before. And she's like, what if my clients will do it? And so we walked her through six contracts. We walked her through the conversations. We role-played the conversations. We created what the new pricing should be. And she presented all of them to her clients. There was one particular client. She, she's like, I don't think they're going to do it. And she's like, it's okay because they're kind of a pain anyway. And she was right. Five of the six signed the new contract, didn't have a problem with the pricing. They were happy to pay more and in a project-based manner. She dropped the one client who was kind of difficult anyway, which opened her up to take two other clients so now instead of having six, she had eight clients all paying the higher rate. And I'm like, yes. And so there's also that fear that what if nobody says yes at my higher rate? Mm-hmm. Yep. What if you know? But if you have a waiting list, so we have a webinar series this year called Capacity Building, How to Know When It's Time to Grow. And that's the question. How do you know when it's time to grow? Well, when you have a waiting list or when you're turning people away, that's when it's time to decide if you want to grow. Some people don't want to grow. Some people are like, I'm happy with this. I'll take the eight that I have and I'll have a waiting list and people will know I'm in demand. Great. Um, and some people are like, yep, I need to hire more people. I need to create some processes and systems and I'm ready to take on more. And so you just have to kind of figure out which one are you? Do you, you know, do you want to grow? Yeah. You know, the, like here's, and here's another example that brings up a different subject. And that is like, we were, we were, we went for a hike and we were talking a little bit about her business. And I said to her, so out of the money you make, because she told me what she makes, and I said, out of the money you make, what percentage of that comes from what you bill your clients versus how much the kickback you get from your suppliers? And she didn't know. So, you know, it's, it's so, and I went into, not to beat her up, I didn't want to do that, but uh, just to kind of get inside a little bit, a lot of their, a lot of it was, and I understand why she, you know, I, I, you know, she, this business has transitioned from it was a hobby that she started because she went to school for it in college. And then her kids got a little older and she had free time. And she's like, ah, you know, maybe I'll start doing this. And then now that her husband's passed, it's becoming a much more, it's been a job, right? More important. Anyway, so um, the point being is that she didn't know the answers to a lot of questions. Most people and, don't. Yeah. And so it's because it was a hobby, you know, and now business people don't, I talk to people all the time. I'm like, what's your, what's your percentage operating for overhead? And nobody knows the answer to that question. It's like one in 10 people I talk to actually know the answer to that. I'm like, how, how do you have any idea how much to charge if you don't know what your overhead costs are? Yeah. And we figure that out and it's like, oh my God, I had no idea I was spending so much on overhead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's helpful to know when you're pricing. 
And then I'll li- listen to our listeners too. Uh, you know, we're not trying to beat you up. You know, we're not trying oh to beat. Gosh, we've all been there. I was yeah. totally there. The yeah. only reason I know this stuff to say it is because I did it too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it yeah, was I think- because I learned it. And then when my husband started, he has a custom woodworking business. And then he also has a yard business. And we went through the same things. I'm like, when he first started doing yard work, he charged $25 an hour. And I'm like, oh my God, baby, seriously, $25 an hour? You're not making anything. Think about the gas you're spending on the equipment. Think about the replacement parts for the equipment. Think about the time you're driving there and back, all the stuff. And he and he's like, nobody's going to pay me more than that. And now he charges $55 to $65 an hour because that's what everybody else is charging. And nobody questions it because nobody wants to do that stuff. It just takes time to to get in it and learn it. And for someone else to say to you, you're not charging enough. Yeah. And he, he, he needs to look at it at another level too. And he's like, you know, how can I charge $80 an hour? How could I um, be better than my competitors and, and charge more and be accepting of that? I think that's, that would be his next step. Right. Yeah. He does that with the woodworking business. Yeah, because, oh yeah. You know, more differential. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that's the money maker business and the, the landscaping and stuff is just, it, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, listen, I, even if you don't charge the $80 an hour extra for the landscaping or, 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 you know, it's a yard work, whatever it, um, I think it makes you realize and look at what you're doing better than, or what you could be doing better than your competitors as far as service goes, regardless. Yes. Right. It just makes you a better business. You said something earlier about that. That is super important. A lot of small businesses and smaller companies that are able to charge are charging because of service. And it, it was highlighted for me last year. I had a client in Colorado who had hired us to do an executive search for them. And we provide that service for executive directors and development directors through my funding for good company. And I, I told her what my price was. And she's like, well, I've got a couple of other quotes from other companies and this is how they differ, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I was like, you can go with whoever you'd like. And I'm not a high pressure salesperson at all. And I said, but the difference with those companies is you're not calling into a phone tree and getting a random person that's going to answer your questions or help you with your product. You're calling me. Yeah. And I'm the one who's going to respond to your email. I'm the one who's going to help you with your interviews. I'm the one that's going to be doing every single bit of this with you one-on-one because you're paying a small business owner to help you with the same service. And that's why they went with us. She was like, yeah, I want to be able to talk to the person that I'm going to do the work with and not just some random person at the company every time I call. And, and we built a relationship and we built rapport and they've been back to us several times since then. But that was the selling point. Was yep. that you do have that one-on-one. You can build individual relationships with people and you can charge for that. Yeah. And I said that, it's funny you should say that because I, I, I use that today, that same um, benefit with a, with a potential client, you know, I, I, I let him know we're, we're, you know, we, and a good example, we were, he was using or thinking of going back to a very, very large company that he used to use uh, for for a line of credit, and then uh, you know, I told them about us, and I said, "Listen, you're always dealing with an owner. We're a very, we're a small company where we are providing lines of credit with our own money. You know, you if you if you if you are running into a problem, you are dealing with an owner. You're not dealing with a man a, a kid who's got to go to a manager who's got to go to another manager, and you know that almost it almost always." Uh, 
impresses people, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it matters completely yeah. as a business and owner. God, I just want the easiest path to a solution, whatever that looks like. And dealing with a small company very often, if they can provide you with the level of service and quality you need is the way to do that. And I go back to the original thing I said in the beginning of the podcast, which is um, small businesses. I always find undercharge. They undercharge, you know, okay. and, and you, you, you can't don't, you can't compete on price. You got to compete on service, uh, product quality. You, that's where you, and, and better service, you know, you just, you have to do it that way um, because it's true and it's your, your ace in the hole, not your price. So um, one last, uh, we got a, a, about two minutes left. What, any other suggestions you would say to, in, in regards to this topic? There is one thing that a lot of people, especially that are consultants, do charge hourly for, which I don't know the way around that, and I do it too. It's when people want to book an like, on-demand consultation or coaching call or something like that. That's just a one-off, but it's super easy. There, there's an hourly rate for that most of the time, 250 300 Heck, I've seen people that charge $500 an hour. Um, but once you have your hourly rate established and you're comfortable with it, if that's a service or, or a benefit that you want to provide to the folks that want to work with you, I think that that's one of the only times that I ever give people an hourly rate. Pretty much everything else is customizable in, in the form of a program or a project or um, a package, which becomes project pricing. What do you... Is there, has there been a time when you, I, I'm sure there is, but what do you do when you, even earlier on in your professional career, when you've under budgeted the amount of, someone wants a fixed price, you give them the fixed price. I know you probably, you know, I know you're probably going to say, well, I have a, you know, this is a 30 hour job. And after 30 hours, it's $150, whatever. Okay. No, nope, I never did. I learned the hard way. I project priced something. I and ended up it. wildly overworking what I thought. And then I learned from that experience. And so there's a lot of clauses that you can put into contracts and have considerations for, you know, should the work exceed the projected blah, 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 buy then we'll have a conversation. Um, work can be paused or whatever. But yeah, you know, we write federal grants sometimes. And for that, we quote people, this is how long we anticipate it's going to take based on this particular department of the federal government, what you have prepared, what we have to prepare for you after our initial consultation, which is paid as well. And if we come in under that, we're only going to bill you what we worked. If we come in right where we said we were, that's what your bill is going to be. If we go over, we're only going to bill you what we quoted, right? Because at some point in your professional career, you need to know your work well enough to know contingencies for this and that can happen. And you need to build that into your pricing. In the beginning, you mostly learn that stuff the hard way. Um, and that's been that's been my personal experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to Cynthia again, I, I you know, I, I think one of the things she, she will do, because I, I, I see how she becomes indispensable to her clients and they really like her and they're really you know, running everything by her then after a while on these projects, which were rather big. And um, I think she does give them a status at some point was saying, I just wanted to let you know you're halfway through the amount of hours, you know, yeah. so that you don't come to the end. And then they're like, 
I'm like, okay, I just want to let you know you're, you're finished with the 30 hours. That's what we committed to. Yeah, um, I think that's great. Know? And, and so I think that's important. Um, and, and, you know, and even coming from my side, right. I, I would want my contractor to tell me, you know, um, I just want to let you know where you are in your scope of your project. You know, we have timelines for that in our contracts and say, this needs to be completed by this date. This needs to be completed by this date, blah, blah, blah. And then we have a clause that basically says if the timeline is not adhered to due to us, then this is what happens. And if it's not adhered to based on you and your company, this is what happens. And it's basically, this is when work stops. This is when deliverables stop, blah, blah, blah. And then what is the process to restart? Is there a fee associated with that? Is there an additional fee? Can we not work past that timeline? Because some people are like, oh, we'll just do it later. I'm like, I've got other stuff later. Um, so you can restart the process from the beginning, including the fees. And, you know, being very clear about this isn't just a like gym membership that you could pick up and use whenever you want. It's a it's work product we need to get through because we've got other clients waiting behind you. So I think putting that stuff in writing and helping people understand what their parameters are always helps. So last question. Um, I don't know if you run a, a, a is, it, is it a course or if it's a one on one session with with someone who's an hour, you know, hourly contractor or something like that to help their with their business. Tell us tell us if someone were to take that quote unquote course or coaching session, what would they get out of it? So, um, you know, we have a one hour session specifically on how to transition from hourly to project based billing. That's just a webinar. But we have a 60 day boot camp, which is really where I work one on one and my team works one on one. We don't do like group coaching with people to start or grow a business. And that's everything from we work on messaging, we work on pricing, we work on contracts, we work on how to repackage your services, what should you be offering, what could you be offering, what should you not be offering to really get to whatever your goal is. So for us, it's always, Stephen, tell me what your goal is in your business and I'm going to tell you what we can accomplish in 60 days. And then we set a path forward to doing that, you know, between coaching calls and one-on-one -on -one sessions and virtual work days, um, we get all that stuff done and people are pretty excited and happy about it. We're a small team. So, you know, we don't take more than 10 a time and we do four years. So we can work with about 40 individual business owners a year. And um, for me, I'm not trying to build my capacity there. That's where I'm happy um, because it's a lot of work. So, And so are, are those people together when you are coaching them? No, it's yeah, separate. It's one all one-on-one. One -on -one. That's why coaching. I can't take more than 10. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. 10 every 60 days and that's, you know, 20 hours of phone calls. Is there a reason why you don't do a course? I mean, it's you're covering a lot of the same material with each one of them, I would assume. Because it's, it's based on where everybody is individually. Yeah, gotcha. And so okay. it's impossible to say, oh, you're just starting. You're going to do the same thing that somebody's been in business for seven years is going to do. Even if you're talking about messaging, it's wildly different. If you have a website that you've been developing and cultivating for seven years versus you're starting your first website, it's it's just very, very different. Um, the concepts are the same, but the work is very different. And it's it's just difficult to do in a group. People don't get the one on one that they actually need. 60 days isn't a lot of time. And I want people to really see results. So they have to commit to spending the time to putting the work in while we're together for 60 days. Well, I'm going to tell Cynthia, um, I'm going to tell her about you and, you know, see where she goes. Um, you know, you know, yeah. We have so, a boot camp coming or not a boot camp. We have a conference coming up in um, August that's it's focused towards nonprofit consultants, but it's really about building your capacity and growing your business. 
And so we, we had 300 folks last year join us live for that. And we're hoping for 500 this year, but that might be another great place if you're in the world of consulting that uh, you can come learn for two straight days from folks like me. Cool. Good. Well, I appreciate it. Well, that's really all the time we have. It was a great podcast. Um, I, you know, I want to thank so very much Mandy uh, Pierce from Funding for Good for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a review. Of course, it really helps us get the word out. Those reviews help us get higher rankings. And if it's five star, then we really would love for you to go do it. Um, and, uh, please, if you, uh, would like to get more information about a line of credit for your business, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. It's FS as a financing solutions, creditline.com or call us at 862-207-4118. Mandy, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Mandy at fundingforgood.org. Good. All right. Um, and so summary for today, my takeaway for, uh, for what we kind of learned today is look at your business as a business, not a hobby. Look at it and go into detail on understanding your numbers, understanding your time, understanding your services, understanding your competitors. You know, your value. I, yeah, you're, the value you're bringing, you're, I, I guarantee you, you are underselling what you do. And it might be a good time for you to take it back. If I was you, make an investment in yourself and, and go see Mandy and, and do the coaching. You, you'll make the money that you're paying Mandy back in weeks. You know, it, and you know, it's going to be an investment in you. And you'll feel better about the business you run. You know, because it is a business and you need to get paid fairly. So other than that, you know, have a great day, everybody. Just keep getting better at what you do. That's the fun part of running your own little quote unquote business. It's that's the fun is just keep getting better. It makes it more interesting. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>